Welcome to Let's Drone Out, the original and best drone-themed podcast. We record the show live on a Thursday night on youtube.com forward slash Let's Drone Out, and our lovely patrons help with the editing costs. These are... Wacky Wes. Mikey Dread. Art Faulkner. Carlos Campos. Thank you. Let's Drone Out Hello and welcome to Let's Drone Out. Uh, tonight we are joined by the usual everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello. My little Tony. Bonjour. How are you, my dear wife? Are you alright? Yeah, I'm alright. It's good to see you here. Like We all love you. Everyone loves you. Um, you. Uh, our guest tonight, uh, Mr. Clean Flight slash Dominic Clifton. Hello. AKA the drop down menu SPF3. And if it hasn't got the logo on it, then it's a clone and was probably sold to you by Radio C. Oh, no. Nice. Banggood. The other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Banggood. Yeah. And I, wish, I wish all those reviews on Banggood had turned into sales for me because that would be lovely. But, you know, yeah. I'm going And the wonderful wizard that's the actual thing controlling us twitching behind the curtain, Andrew Slash Frank. Good evening. Oh, how is it, Puppet Master? Well, you know, we, we started, so that's that's good. Yeah, I suppose Has your I suppose hair you been really... super styled today, Frank? I'm just looking at it, and it looks like it's blow-dried upwards. Like, whoosh. What's no, going on there? Just, just uh, I think it, it rained on the way back from the shop today. That's all. Right, so I'm going to dangerously, I'm dangerously going to share my um, screen for. uh, No, it's fine. It's fine. This works. I can (laughs) enlarge it. If we get kicked uh, off of YouTube, yeah, yeah, we know why. It's Jack's fault. Completely my fault. So anyway, we invited Dominic Clifton on a few weeks ago, and this is what happened moments before the show and tony i'd like to remind everyone didn't believe this really happened <laughs> this is someone clifton paying no attention oh, and looking on his own. so let's just rewind that hang on great okay. is this gonna Look. be an hour of this oh, yeah. oh dear and, and you've got point, skate shoes on yeah and at that point i was like oh cock it <laughs> <laughs> not as much as you were and then out look at the face out (laughs) really i came down hard so if you're listening it it wasn't the fact i didn't believe him it was the fact that he took a photo laying on his on the floor and went yeah that's that's the bit that made us think he's just having a laugh with us no one takes a photo of themselves on the floor saying i've fallen down and i can't get up look here yeah that's that's basically where i was yeah I was yeah. on the lounge floor. My, my girlfriend said, don't move because I might have broken something. So we waited for an ambulance. So I stayed on the floor. Yeah, you're meant to stay on the floor where you fell. <laughs> not, <laughs> well, not drag yourself I, in. I fell over and then I tried to get to the front door. I tried to stand up and I couldn't stand up. And then I got to the front door and then I felt so faint. I actually had to just lie on the doorstep for a few minutes and re- recover a little bit. And then yeah. eventually I got the keys out of my pocket and crawled in stood up again tried to stand up again couldn't pain was too much and then got to about the carpet and that's where i was for about the next two hours while we waited for um, two ambulances to arrive mr fruity is not convinced he thinks you're a stuntman he's saying show ambulance (laughs) so if you there is there is a video of the ambulance i think i sent it to jack but i don't know yeah yeah, i've I've got it so um if if you're listening to this via audio i'm i'm very very sorry. So we're looking at basically your driveway in France, is it? Or Spain? No, Spain. Spain. That was it. One of those two. One one of them where there's a lot more sunshine and better food. Um and he stepped over a gap between the parking car parking space and the wall of the steps and slid. It used um, to be a rose bed. 
I took the roses oh. and moved them. <laughs> Do you think it might be worth putting something back in there? <laughs> Do you know Are there you was a... actually a tree, a little small little pot plant in that corner, and I moved it around the back of the house. And I want to move it back again so I don't accidentally take the tame shame shortcut again and fall over again. But I can't lift heavy stuff at the moment, so I don't want to move it yet. So, but it will yeah. go back there. The long term thinking... is to remove the rose bed. The the the, the, I, the good idea with the whole rose bed is it's thorny, so that will de- that's another deterrent for you yes, being a little. The irrigation system leaks into the house, so uh, that's the root, root cause of the ah, problem. So okay. I have to get that fixed first, and then right. So, so un- unlike unlike Drony's life, we've got uh, video footage of accidents <laughs> and evidences of our so guests that don't yeah. turn up. There you go. So that's my that's my friend at the top helping me. That's me lying on the stretcher with some ambulance people. And then and then yeah. your, what's, your what's, friend's video in it all. <laughs> no, she's holding the light up so she can see so they can see where they're going. Because ah, we're infrared yeah, camera. Look at you. One of the ambulance people nearly fell over on, on a on a different step <laughs> while they're carrying me. So yeah. Right. So there's, there's your proof, everyone. That's so, what happened. And, and, Best suggestion so far is that a rose bush, put a ball pit there. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's just playing a ball pit, yeah. I, I, I really, really love our comments, like, you know, like our, our little our chat. Because not only do we accidentally ignore them and they have a whale of a time on their own, but uh, they also just generally mock us. And they have also been sending in their horror stories. Richard says, "Yes, Thanks, yes, we've had we've had a few horror stories." Mm. Oh, so I was people... listening to that that episode the other week. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that was so quite. We're we get, we're getting closer and closer to the Halloween, Halloween episode special. where we're going to be reading out the horror stories. And so people have been sending in their horror stories you to let's drone out at gmail.com. So uh, we're collecting them all together. Jack's given us a little teaser on the Patreon feed for, for his horror story. There's a nice collection going together. But if anyone else has a near miss or some actual hit or something that's gone horribly wrong, a flyaway, anything like that. Uh, if you want to anonymously uh, send in your horror story to letsdrainout at gmail.com, we'll collect them together for the Halloween episode. Uh, um, speaking of horror shows, next week I will be on, on Wednesday from 8 to 9. I'll be interviewed by Drone Is Life on, on, on the other podcast. <laughs> Are you going to turn up or fall over or something? Um, <laughs> I might chuck myself about, really, but um, no, uh, I'll, I'll show Friday up. Friday night, isn't it? Yeah. From no, it's, it's Wednesday, isn't it? Really? So, um, yeah. So, guys, if you can, like, you know, show me some support, and if you can all show up in the chat, I'll post a link somewhere or something, and um, if you all can just make a mockery and you know, a ruckus in the old chat, I'd really appreciate it. And ask me some questions. Because, uh, you know, um, how much jello do you think it will hold, says MK Lab, make me lab, <laughs> which I like as well. You could fill it with jello. What, so, the... Yeah, the, the rosebud. <laughs> oh, no, the idea is to get rid of it and just make the driveway slightly wider now. That's the mm. better solution. Just make get remove the hole that makes you fall into it. So. <clears throat> I, re- I really don't think that old Sharpoo will... Yeah, I, I mean, where is Sharpoo regards Drone's life? But um, I don't think Sharpoo will ever do a podcast. He replies like with like one-word answers to my emails. And This is a topic for Drone's life next week, surely. Surely. Yeah. yeah. No worries. I, I'm yeah, trying to think what's worth, though. You ask Sharpoo to turn up Let's and he doesn't, him. or you ask him and then Jack shows up instead. What's worse? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we Dom, still how, had our guest. Yeah, Dom, how you been? It's been a while. I've missed you. It's been a while. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting year. Let's say uh, interesting couple of years. Like 
so I did all the H7 stuff maybe a year and a half ago, which I can't believe it's been a year and a half already. I think it, that's when it released. And then it was in development for about at least six months or so before that. Um, so that kept me pretty busy. Um, but uh, I don't think there's been any other H7 FCs since I did mine, actually, which is kind of surprising. Um, so I'm busy doing that and then been working on some OSD-related stuff for a while. And then obviously all the Flight 1 stuff um, just before Christmas, I think. So did a bunch of work for them. And yeah, the beta flight Fallout recently. That's been interesting. <laughs> is that and then is that a computer game? <laughs> beta flight Fallout. Fallout. Can Fallout, I, can I start flight, with the drama question then? <laughs> since yeah. since no, you've brought it up. Not, we're not that podcast. Yeah, we are. So whenever I think of Dominic, I instantly think back to base flight oh, and it, the still the specific license terms that says Dominic oh. can't play there. But do you know? But do you know why that came about? It follows you around. Well, do you know why that came about? Because because time cop's crazy. No, uh, what actually happened was answer. I wrote a program called Hydra IRC, which is an IRC chat client for Windows, and it had a very non-permissive uh, license. It was open source in the terms of you could see the source and look at it and contribute bug fixes and do all this kind of stuff, but it wasn't GPL, right? So he did a, a sort of piss take of that license, and that's why it was like that. <laughs> that's the history. But drama seems to follow you. What's happened with Beta Flight and the fallout there? Yes. Well, yes. It's making for Jack a stress, number of like years. For a number of years. Probably about three years or so. Any views expressed? Where's the disclaimer? We haven't had to have a disclaimer for a few Disclaimer. Weeks. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Read it out. <laughs> I lost my... Read it out. Shall I read it out? Yeah, I've got to wait till it comes back again. Legal notice. Any views <laughs> expressed by any guests, especially me, on this show are personal, <laughs> very personal indeed, and may not reflect the views of others. There you go. You've heard this show before, Dom. You've done that perfectly. <laughs> Why am I even here? Right, what, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? Oh, yes, that was it. We're going to be. About three years ago, I think it probably probably was um, the the sort of atmosphere within the sort of beta flight development sort of members area. Because I don't know whether you guys know, but there's two slacks basically. There's there's the public slack and then there's the private slack. And um, there was sort of growing discontent among developers, and the, the attitude from the primary maintainer Mike Keller was sometimes absolutely fine and he does lots of great work and without him sort of beta flight wouldn't be going anywhere because he does lots of maintenance stuff like i used to do on the clean flight side of things um but other days you'd catch him and it would just be like the worst person in the entire world to try and get anything done or agree with and the scale sort of became you know it was like 10 percent of the time you might get like some bad reaction then 90% of the time it was fine but it's drifted completely the opposite way where it got to a point where oh it's God, like, I just don't even want to talk in this channel because of the negative feedback that I know I will receive no matter what it is that I do and uh, it ended in the culmination of me submitting a bug report during a release candidate phase which is the exact specific time that you're supposed to report <laughs> bugs to a development environment and then um, that basically just snowballed out of control. And Mike told me in no uncertain terms to, that, uh, what, was, what was the quote? It was something like, stop, stop, uh, stop talking to me. I'm done wasting my time with you. Ooh. That's what he said. So I'm like, fine. So at that point, I deleted him from the clean flight slack because I, <laughs> uh, I didn't want his attitude to affect the clean flight users, where he had been very helpful over the years. Um, but hadn't been active at all in there. So I'm just like, I don't want this guy talking to me anymore. He doesn't want to waste his time talking to me. I'm not going to waste my time talking to him. So that's fine. The next morning I wake up and he'd also deleted me from the beta flight thing. So I'm like, fine. What do I care? And that was that. And I've been happier ever since. It's been great. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and occasionally I submit bug reports because obviously I have a bunch of users which use beta flight so when they have issues and they report them to me i then report them back to the beta flight development team but 
Um, there was one recently, for an example, there's like a bug um, in the configurator where on, a, on one of the H7 boards, if you click activate MSC, it goes, your flight controller hardware doesn't support this, but that's not actually true. It's the software on it that doesn't support it. So I reported this because the error message is incorrect. And then they have a bot which closes issues when they get, uh, when no one replies to them. So MacGyver Gim is the main clean flight um, configurator developer. Um, so I just at mentioned him and say, have you any thoughts on this? And then I get accused by spamming. And then Mike Keller comes on and says this, that, and the other. You're not in good beat standing with the beat flight community. And I think, which is a load of, excuse my French, because the only, the only person I'm not really in a good standing with is him, not the beat mm. flight community at large, because most of them appreciate the work that I've done as far as I understand. At least they tell me that quite frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you yeah, don't, like, please email hydra yeah, at <laughs> Yeah, no, the, my email address in the source code. It's fine. You can find it. It's no problem. <laughs> so yeah, so there's all all this drama. So it just became just became just intolerable, basically working with them. So I'm just like I'm happy and not not doing any of it at the moment. Just doing my own thing. Welcome to the and then, world of open source. And a lot of people think there's, there's, there was a lot of drama around this as well because it happened shortly after I'd started work with um, with the Flight One guys as well. Uh, so uh, people were just thinking, oh, it's cool because of Flight One, which is completely untrue, and it had absolutely nothing to do with it. The situation had been brewing for, like I say, about three years or so, I think probably. So, and that had nothing to do with it. So just to yeah, put a nail in that coffin. Good Mike, to know. Mike, if you want to come in and defend yourself, <laughs> you can. <laughs> so you'll have help. to read out your own disclaimer as well. That's the new rule. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're so, hoping uh, to so slag each other that, off. At the time that I left, or well, was booted out of, should I say more appropriately, the Beat Fight members channel, there was only about two sort of developers um, sort of actively chatting in, in there. Whereas when it initially started, like everyone was in there, like all the time, like talking to each other and suggesting things, you know, you're getting really good feedback and so on. But it just came to a point where just no one wanted to deal with uh, with Mike, basically, and his his odd attitude at times. So, which is really unfortunate because I want to do create things and make cool stuff for everybody. But what what am I supposed to do? You know. It just like kills your motivation. Like any kind of you know desire to want to help improve things is just like no, you just you have to deal with that. It's just like no, I don't want to deal with 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 that guy. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Is, is that why you've still got the bug where you can't flash the um f any like you know SPF freeze or anything fails? Uh, I'm not even aware of that. Uh. Well, you send me that's a link thing. afterwards, and I can have a look if you like. But um, you yeah. probably find it's just the one's not going in DFU mode or something. I haven't got the drivers installed, but I've got a whole bunch of it in a box somewhere up there. I think I think I maybe flashed one quite recently actually, because someone goes, "Have you got any old flight controllers?" And I've got, I'm like, "Yeah, I've got some custom returns from Get FPV that are reconditioned and depinned and so on." And uh, I just sent him a couple of these flashed. With yeah, I'm, I'm having to flash them through, uh, well. you know, the defuse demo. Yeah, no, they're, they're you have to set the right board rate on them because the uh, but that's just an F three thing because it was it was yeah. pre it was pre manual UG stuff. Rate. Yeah. yeah, manual board rate of two two fifty six two five six zero zero zero. Yeah, mm. that's an F three specific thing, guys. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I've probably not the right board rate. Probably didn't read the manual. Probably says oh, it's in manual, you know. I, I do. I can see it every time. You never read enough. And you, click, you can click yeah. SP Racing F3 and then click manual and download it. It's probably somewhere in there. Oh, God. Yeah, but, you know. It's a screenshot like, of, like, clean flight. You are it's too much hard work. You are three. <laughs> bash. Bash till it works. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Beat your fight. Dev drama, yeah. So, there's so, always dev dramas, it seems. Because, like, I mean, do you remember the Open Pilot and uh, Tower Labs? That was uh, another, another open dev, toilet. Dev yeah, we called it Open Toilet, didn't we? Open Toilet, yeah. I never heard about those because the boards were so bloody difficult to get hold of. It's like, well, uh, I can just dream of the drama of having anything. Yeah. Well, Clean Flight runs on those, so you'd be all right. Is, um, is droning still a thing? 
I do, do you know what? I don't know. I haven't looked for a while. But I know that one of the guys that was doing that uh, does contribute a lot to Betafly um, in maybe the last uh, droning. D-Ronin, isn't it? My yeah. Ronin injury thing, that was it. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked on the GitHub thing. Let's have a look. Yeah, I, I was just thinking because of, you know, TriFly try went to that. Code. Oh, yeah, they moved it, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, no, the last commit was 4th of July 2019. So, no, Dronin is dead. No. Dead. Yeah. And so are Tricopters. Oh, we got loads of questions. Can you answer this one? Go on, Green. Cliff to fly, as it says. <laughs> Richard. Green Patches has asked, what would be uh, the best version what? of Clean Flight to run on the SP Racing F4 Evo slash OSD? I've had one. I've been meaning to put in a quad for a year or two. Still in the handwritten envelope from Dominic. Oh, brilliant. Lovely. Um, I'd probably compile the latest version of Beta Flight and flash it. On both, because if you've got the double stack thing, because the OSD thing is a separate thing to the Evo, uh, I think you need to leave the latest version of Clean Flight that you can get for the OSD board, and the probably the yeah probably the latest version of Beta Flight, uh, but you have to compile it from source for it if it still compiles. Um, otherwise, just go back through the history of Clean Flight or Beta Flight until you find one that compiles and runs on it. Really, but I haven't got a a specific version number in mind. Having to compile it yourself. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, there was because the the issue was with Betaflight, they didn't support the OSD slave board, which is what the OSD board was. Um, so you know, like this new FR Sky OSD that's on the Matex seven two two. Yeah, it has mm. a separate little computer on there, which is a, an L four F. Uh, STM L4 processor, which basically does all the OSD stuff and it does all pixel stuff. And there's a UART communication interface between an L4 processor and your flight controller, and they talk to each other. Basically, this is what I did in 20, 2015, I think it was. But the OSD was using a Mac 7456 chip, but it still had two CPUs talking to each other via a UART link. Right. So this was the same thing. So this was basically going to be stage one. Stage two was then going to be the Pixel OSD stuff, um, which was going to be on a separate board, much like the uh, FR Sky stuff currently is now. Um, so that was the process. But then what happened was that the someone, I think it was Jay Flyper, I think it was, uh, one of the BetaFlight devs, ported Minimo OSD into the inside of BetaFlight Core and then added the Mac 7456 chip driver inside BetaFlight Core. Um, but brought with it all the uh, horrible OSD code, which I've been trying to get rid of. And I had this really nice sort of like element system. So you had a data source provider and you had a, an element. And you could have um, a data source, which could be like the temperature. And it could come from different places. But the, the actual way that you display the temperature, no matter what kind of temperature it is, never really changes. right? And it's the same with loads of other things. So I had this lovely separation of concerns and all the unit tests and all this kind of stuff. And that basically all got thrown away. And uh, mm. when I rebased on the latest version of Betaflight, maybe a year or so later. So that was unfortunate. But yeah. Because so isn't, is isn't that stuff. Oh, sorry. I was going to say so, so. So is Clean Flight now almost a fork of Betaflight in a way? <laughs> uh, well, sort of yes, sort of no. So you could call them one and the same if you really wanted to, um, because you know you could all say they're all a fork of um, multi-we still, essentially, um, because they are, uh, but not really a fork of multi-we because it was a port of multi-we. So that's more technically correct. So they're all a f essentially a fork of base flight, which is Time Cop's uh, hard work, uh, which we ought to be forever grateful for. Um, did you just vomit in your mouth? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, those people did really great work. Okay. And that, and that was the, the work of moving it from an 8-bit to a 32-bit. Yeah. So the main, the main bulk of that code was writing a driver layer um, <clears throat> for the STM processors instead of the Arduino processors that were used at the time. And then the rest of the code sort of remained 8-bit, and eventually it got 32-bitified. And then it got FPUified. 
because the F1 processor didn't have an FPU, so there wasn't much use of floats. It was all integer-based math. And then I did the F3 stuff, and that's when things really sort of took off quite a lot because now we had a much better way of basically doing math, basically, just more, more, much more, uh, much less processor-intensive way of doing all the math side of things because uh, it was done in hardware by the, by the MCU. Um, and then the B-Flight stuff came along, uh, going back to your sort of forking question. And then I essentially rebased CleanFlight on the latest version of BetaFlight, which was 2.0, maybe 3.5 or something like that, which was claimed CleanFlight 2.5. And I did the same thing again recently. And BetaFlight and CleanFlight are pretty much identical. I think BetaFlight's up to 4.22. I haven't merged those changes into CleanFlight, which is on 4.2, but they fly and run identically. So, is, so you is, talked is a bit a about. And the other's not. One matches my T-shirt. <laughs> I do like them T-shirts. And the other one, it doesn't. So I, I don't like flying it. It doesn't match my T-shirt. So is, is Clean Flight now more kind of a long-term support version of... Well, yeah. I mean, so, so going back to the developer discontent um, of... We still haven't moved away from that. No, well, it's it's an ongoing theme. It's never going to go anywhere because there is still, and there always will be, while Mike Keller is the maintainer of Betaflight, a developer discontent. That is that is the situation. Can't um, you just no, go into iNav and cause less trouble? Uh, I've done a bunch of work for iNav recently. I did. I helped out with the H7 stuff that got merged in um, mm. a bit ago. Uh, but Constantine's very busy with lots of other different things. But the H7 stuff is coming along. So I'm going to be helping that out and making the targets work on that. Um, but going back to sort of what where CleanFlight could go and um, what it has in, in for the future, there's I've had a few sort of ideas. I'd love to sort of bring it back. Um, and there's been a couple of developers that have contacted me because they're in, you know, they don't like the the uh, I mean, just Butterflight, for instance. Those guys, <clears throat> they don't like the Betaflight guys. Mu Flight, they they don't so much like the Betaflight guys. There's quite a lot of people that don't like the main lead developers. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out. Mm, let's see. Uh, all the brain FPV guys, they don't like them. Um, there's oh, yeah, pretty much no no one really likes contributing to beat flight. But you know, if if you want your code integrated, that's who you've got to deal with, and you've got to suck it up, unfortunately. And one day you might get treated well, another day you might get the hammer thrown at you. Yeah. So there's a lot of discontent in the community, which is unfortunate because it's I think it's stifled. Um, it stifled uh, innovation quite a lot. So various people from different manufacturers have contacted me and said, can you write some code to support this new thing? So um, Tony Cake, for instance, had asked me about um, adding support for the ghost protocol. But I'm Ooh. like, well, with the whole thing with uh, the beta flight guys at the moment, I don't think anything I do is going to get accepted by anybody. So probably not a good idea. Why don't so, you just you know, change your like name? <laughs> Talking of names, there's a question somewhere. Where was it? What Hydra? Yeah, you probably answered uh, it. Oh, it just it just came from I think when I was about maybe ten or so, using the, like a BBC micro at school, and then everyone wanted to come up with like nicknames and login names and so on for themselves. And I opened up a dictionary, and I was flicking through as you do when you're like ten or whatever. And I'm like Hydra. Huh, what does it mean? I'm like. Huh. A multi-headed mythical greased, which is hard to kill with like serpent heads and stuff, or a, a, a aquatic little organism that lives at the bottom of a pond. So I like to get that stuff. <laughs> there you go. So I had a question, question about processors because it went F1, F3, F4, F7. Why uh -huh. H7? What's H7 do that F7 can't? And what happened to G? Uh, <laughs> Okay, so H7 is amazing. It's total amazeballs. Uh, it's got a DMA MUX on it, which is one of the really cool things about it, uh, which basically means you can just you can rework all your DMA streams independently of everything else, whereas on the older processors, they're all tied to doing one specific thing. Uh, so it's much more flexible in terms of how you make the data flow around the processor internally. It's, it's 
probably a, a layman's way of describing the DMA MUX. That's one of its key features. The G Force, the G series also has the same DMA MUX, which is also very cool. The H7, the one that I use, the 750, has very little in terms of internal flash memory. It has about the same as what we used for the F1, which is 128K, when everything used to fit. You know, you could fit baseline in 128K. It was great. I think it actually fitted on the 64K one, the CJMCU, which I ported it to. Um, but these days, that's not enough to to basically have all the features that you need. I think INAV's minimum is like 512. Um, a lot of beta 5 features get cut out if you don't have enough, enough uh, space. 256 is uh, one of the lower limits these days. Um, but the way around that is to use either A, external memory, and you run the code from external memory, or B, load the code into RAM, because H7 has got loads of RAM. So the way I took is basically you get an external chip, and you load BFLI into RAM, and you run it from RAM. And it turns out it's really fast when you do that as well. Um, so that is one of the core differences between the H processors, the H750 and the previous ones. The other main thing is that it's over twice as fast. It runs at 480 megahertz, the new ones do, instead of like 214 or something where the F7s do, which means you've got loads of room to do cool stuff like doing pixel OSDs and running your flight loop and doing all kinds of filters and AI crap and whatever you want to do with it. It's just an amazing processor. Do it all not, only that, not only that, it's cheaper oh. than an F7. It's cheaper. <laughs> it's cheaper. Why don't you like it? Because you've got to write a bootloader. That's why. <laughs> Are we going to need anything on top of this? If you know, in another, well, well we always said well, we don't need any more, and then well, we always go F four, F five, and we keep going up, well, up, up, up. Well, there are. I mean, for the future, um, I'd probably be looking at dual core, um, dual core processors to upload. Oh um, some of the work onto a, onto a separate CPU. Um, there's also the whole digital um, FPV side of thing, which is coming along, which is making the necessity for OSDs in the flight controller sort of redundant because really all the video processing should be done, you know, where the camera memory buffer actually is. Like you get a mm. camera and it's got pixels in RAM, right? And what they really need to do is build a build an OSD system into the digit, HD digital cameras that you can draw anything on. That's the my ideal long-term goal. All this analog OSD stuff is a bit crap, really, and it's um, it's going to be past its day pretty soon, to be honest. Um, but some work from the manufacturers needs to happen with digital um, vector OSDs built into the camera systems and video systems. Because why would you want sort of all this, you know, all the all the digital video processing and all the video signals going anywhere near the um, near the flight control stuff? It's just you know, a total waste of time. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. So will my Quad FC be more powerful than my PC? I used before 2010. Probably, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the H7 processor is amazing. Um, I mean, it, it has a bunch of other things. The I.O. support on it is excellent. It's um, It allows you to connect loads of things to it. Like I use the, the I use SDIO for the, um, for the logging. So previous to the H7, everybody's been using uh it's sdmmc yeah the old one uh which is an old interface which is only one bit so you send one bit and then you send another bit and then you send another bit and with the h7 i use a four bit interface so it allows you to send four times the amount of data so you can fill the sd cards write cache quicker what and then let the flight controller get back to actually doing flight control stuff much quicker so basically anything that interferes with like getting back to the main core of the flight control loop, doing its thing about reading the data and then calculating the outputs and applying filters and all this kind of stuff just happens just so much quicker on an H7. And you fly it and you're just like, oh my God, this thing flies amazing and I haven't even done anything to it. It's like I was shocked at how well it flies just by just on the initial port of it without even tuning a quad. I'm like, this is just this is just night and day difference between the F7 that I had 
like maybe one or two two years before that and it's just the processor it just everything just runs really super smooth on it mm. okay so i have a, i have a possible question about convergence as i've been playing recently with open hd which is uh, a sort of open source digital we mm. do it on the raspberry prize it squirts it down to the other side so with mm-hmm. the processor getting really fast do you think we'll get to the situation because basically the limiting factor in the latency is basically having that hardware encoding 264H265 before you basically yeah. squirt it down the Wi-Fi link to the other side. Yeah. Are they getting fast enough to do that fast? It's do you think it's going to do that? You mean the, the sort of the, the, the H type the... chips, the hardware in those? Are we going to come to a point where, hey, this, this flight controller, it can do analog, it can do digital, or is that a whole... We have to I mean, build it into the, the cameras and everything. The processors else. that are in the phones and so on these days—they're they're amazing. Like, um, you know, they do 4K like digital video recording well, and like stuff. And, armed quad cores, aren't yeah. they? And things. Yeah, where well, oct- octa core and things like that, isn't it? And they've got yeah. you know built-in digital processors and all this stuff. Yeah, it'll it'll happen eventually. It's just someone's got to push the need for it for the manufacturers, and that's that's where well, that's where all technology comes from, right? Someone says. We need to do this faster, and then someone will make a product because they think they can make some money out of selling it, right? That's the way it happens. So if you keep asking for it and just say, well, no, it's crap, the latency's terrible, some manufacturer will come <laughs> out and go, no, I've made a better one. Look, the latency's great now. And that's just that's the way it works, right? So keep pushing for it, and it will happen. If you, if yeah, you sit on the don't do anything, don't say anything, just go, oh, I wish it could be better. And, uh, right, so who's guessing? Who's what's what? F10, F, F10. What date is that going to be? <laughs> We're on no, the F10's already out. That was someone that stuck a stuck an F3 and, a, and an F7 on the same Together, board. Yeah. And and called it, called it F10. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Great marketing done. Brilliant. I laughed when I saw the name of that. I'm like, that's pretty cheeky. That is. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's dual core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It's hilarious. Do you reckon we'll have quad core? We probably will one day. Let's face it. You know, because like yeah. back well, in the old well, days, well, you used to fly stuff with wood. Well, I mean, you got the M series from ST, which um, I've not looked at their lineup recently, but I, I know that there's one which has like a, I think it's like a, an F7 uh, core and an F4 core. Sorry, I, not F4 and F. Uh, arm cores it's got um an older mm. arm core and a newer arm core so you can do all the io sort of low level io stuff like your d-shot processing and things like that on on the io core and then have all the complicated math on the better core the eight the seven core i think it is um, i'd have to bring one of the data sheets to remind myself of it it's been a little while since i looked um but those are coming down in price but they're still more expensive than people want to pay for a flight controller so no i ain't building one yet Plus, you know, there's a whole matter of software. Yeah, someone's got to write it. Oh, no, yeah. It's not currently me. And it's you know that's that's kind of the thing with the H7, isn't it? That it's you have built it, and they're gradually coming um, and and doing various things with it. But there's there's now I think not that long ago, only a matter of weeks ago, that Maytech released an H7 board. I think. Uh, um, what for beta flight? Uh, I think so. Because uh, I, I know they've done a Pixhawk one, um, and the RG Pilot have had H7 support for a while, but I didn't think Maytech had got. Um, I, I mean, I'm out of the loop a little bit with some of this stuff, so I apologise in advance for that. Uh, Maytechsys.com in it, yeah. Um, oh, they've got yeah. The, that's right, yeah, because. They've got the Matek H743 wing flight controller, which will be the iNav one. So I don't think that'll run beta flight. Now, the reason they've used the H743 is because they haven't written a bootloader, which allows you to use the external flash. So that's why the Matek H743 is going to be super expensive because the chip itself is way more expensive than an H750. But the solution is simpler because it doesn't need a bootloader. Uh, I went the extra mile, wrote a bootloader, and made it cheap. Well done. And then the other, my next other uh, question, I guess, is uh, how long before we throw all of these these processes away and go for FPGAs? How long? How long till that? 
I, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> there, there are some interesting things uh, in process terms, other than uh, other than what ST is doing. Um, FPGA is interesting. I've really not looked too much into that. I know the Brain FPV guys have been mucking about with FP, FPGAs for their OSD stuff for a while. Um, but the other the other things that's interesting is the risk V cores. Um, I was contacted a little while ago about um, porting Betaflight, helping port Betaflight onto Risk V Core, and that has actually sort of progressed. And just the other day, the guy emailed me and said, um, "You know, this is what this is where I'm currently at." I had a look at the code base, I had a look at the, some of the stuff that they've done, and, and um, that's pretty interesting because I don't know whether you know about it, but there's a there's a call called the the a CPU called the Kendrite K210, I think it's really, really cheap. If you look at like Seed Studio, I think it is. Um, yeah, Seed Studio. They do a bunch of like really cheap boards, yeah, which use this processor. Um, so you can get one of those if you're interested in and help out with the risk of e-porting if, you, if you're interested in that side of things. Um, but the thing that's interesting about the K210 is that it's got um, hardware AI as opposed to FPGA for just doing random things that you might want to do in hardware i don't think there's that many random things that you want to do in hardware that the hardware doesn't already do at the moment at least i can't think of too much off the top of my head um because fpjs are good for doing sort of like parallel work um i, I, I worked a lot with them on um the open source scaler you know the um it was an upscaler for retro video games and all they do is get hot and have grounding issues. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention they're expensive as well. Yeah, uh, they are coke and yeah. whore money. That's all. Yeah. I- <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're getting cheaper though, and I just they know are. them as yeah. as as a yeah. way of doing things that, where you go from loop times to just it being pretty much instantaneous, and you stop thinking yes. about loop times anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the sense of feedback and the calculation and then the motor output. I mean, you're always going to have something going on there. Um, I don't know whether you're going to be able to do it all in hardware. I don't know. Maybe. It'd be interesting. I'd love to see someone do it. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge for someone. Yeah. Um, but I think some of the AI stuff's kind of interesting as well. I think um, there's some interesting things you can do with regards to filtering with regards to you know the dynamic filtering side of things and just working it out better using ai um i think people are working on stuff like that um yeah there's quite a few things you can do with it and sort of it, some image recognition stuff would be interesting as well if you integrated mm-hmm. the camera into it as well so, that'd be interesting. so is is the um, ai stuff that's going on at the moment with the the boards that are currently out there is is that mainly about the sort of replacing a PID loop? I yeah, guess? there's um, what was there? I think there was a a, a PhD guy somewhere in the states did uh, Neuroflight, right? And uh, I think Joshua Bardhurst also touched on this. I I think I tend to agree with his current analysis that in order to teach an AI, you have to do a lot of stuff repeatedly, and getting it to to a point where it's taught is a problem. And the second problem is the situation changes depending on the state of your quad. So maybe you hit a tree and bend the prop. Now the AI's guy, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I haven't encountered this because no one taught me this before. And uh, maybe your s- screws come loose on your frame and it starts vibrating at some kind of weird frequency. Mm. You know, there's all this kind of stuff which you would have to teach the AI about all these different things. And I think that is the uh, the, the issue of making it fly by AI, I think that's one of the, the hard challenges to, to solve. I'm not saying it's not unchallenging and people shouldn't try, uh, um, but it's it's a difficult task. And it's one that's a time-consuming task as well because you need sort of like either an, an environment uh, which is, I'm repeating Joshua Barlow here, uh, which is the same as what you get in real life, which is nigh on impossible to create, right? <laughs> Gravity, wind, and all that kind of stuff. Um dynamics of wind around a prop and calculating motors to be 100% exact the real, that, that it is in real life and then running your code in that simulated environment thousands no, of times. No, no curvature. No, not going to yeah. happen very, very, very easily. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, so I think the AI, AI could be used in other areas, um, such as the filtering, for instance, which is like a really basic thing that you can use it for. So, you know, like we had this dynamic notch filter thing that was added, uh, which, which turned out to be pretty great um, for reacting to changing conditions of your quad as in the state of decay <laughs> of, all, all, of all of your flying sort of flying things that you have because they're all pristine and they work perfectly when you first get them and then nah, they don't fly so well anymore and you buy a new one because <laughs> you, you can't be bothered to tune it, right? That's it. Muddy so having the AI just motors and, yeah. get better at that, yeah. Is a question. Well, I, remember, I remember changing motor bearings. When was the last time any of you guys changed a motor bearing? Jack was asked about Jack it. Did Jack did one today. Jack does. <laughs> really? Yeah, mine was on my no tricopter way. on my DT seven fifties. I'm shocked. Yes, Jack. Yes, I did one maybe about three weeks ago, but only because you can't get the motors anymore, and I like that particular quad, and I had a, a, just the bearings already. I've, I've got. Did you, I've got. Did you heat it up? And whilst protecting the magnets against heat, how did you get the no. bearing out? Oh, was, you it just, the, was it in the bell or the bottom or, or the other one? The bottom, yeah. Oh, it's not too bad. The stator. But if if it's in the if it's in the top part of it, um, yeah, then um, so like yeah, the way were. yeah, so the the way to get it out of the top bit of the stator is find the right size that sits in between the stator and the windings. Yeah, with a small socket set, and you can do what I used to do. And what you can do is you can run this, run the <clears throat> the top of the socket, and take take the chamfer off it uh, with a with a grinder. So I've got a set of these sockets, and I've got a set of flat sockets. So they're flattened on top, yeah. and they're great for using as cups and smashing things out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't find your own tools, make them yourself. That's it. Making tools is great. I love making tools. Yeah. Investing in I, tools is never a bad decision. One of my uh, bandmates uh, said to me once. I shall not forget his words. It's um yes, Fabiano calculator. Are you hearing this? <laughs> you don't have to answer this question from Mister Shady <laughs> if you don't want to. How? Bring it out, Frank, for the actual podcast. Well, let's put it this way. I never made another batch um, at, after some point in time. I just went, nope. That's enough. Nope. So, yeah, I think if you looked on like AliExpress and like Banggood and just you know, you look at quantity available, and it'll say like 8,000. Clearly, they did a manufacturing run of 8,000 boards. And I'm like, no, I can't. You know, you order, you order 8,000 of something, the price of the CPUs comes right down, the price of all the other components comes right down, all the connectors comes right down, and therefore your price is, like, super cheap. Um, so there's no way I could compete with that. You, plus, you also have to have the upfront investment to afford to actually have enough money to say, factory, make me 8,000 boards and do it now. And they'll go, well, give us some money then. Must be well annoying having that happen. I've got a genuine run in my X class, by the way. It wasn't. It was kind of cool at the same time as being really annoying. It was fa absolutely fantastic. I remember it quite uh, quite clearly. Like the day that the thing that I designed in my head turned up from the factory, that the first prototype of the SP Racing F3, and I'm like, oh my god, I made and designed this, and it's here now. Cool. <laughs> it was really really cool. Um, so in one way, having someone else clone it validated that everything I was doing was great. Which was, Except uh, those stupid little connectors that were too close to the edges. No, you see, but everyone's going back to connectors now. Everyone loves connectors. No, no. It, depend, it, depends on, it depends on the connectors. Um, the ones oh. with the little latches that don't break off quite so easily are good. I promised uh, I... One, um, one sorry, batch of the F3s didn't have... Uh, they f***ed up the solder paste that they used on one batch, which is why I had a bunch of returns from GetFPV. Um, so some of the things came off them a bit a bit too easily. The, the, the USB. Rectified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was, that was but rectified. at least they didn't get it as wrong as the Omnibus F the F4s. Uh, <laughs> they just like, you'd breathe on them and they would be like, ping! Some of I mean, they, they, 
the components that they use on the clones is just a nightmare. I, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of over talking about clones, to be honest. But, <laughs> but I will say that if you specify like a, a six volt capacitor with this rating, right, they won't use that. Or And plus you have to use a capacitor that's got a higher rating anyway because it derates and certain conditions and so on. Uh, so they will use the cheapest, crappiest ones that they could possibly buy in order to build the product that you're buying, as opposed to someone like me who buys original parts from authorized resellers and proper manufacturers. Like you know, my my reels at the back here for the pick and place machine, which you know you can see some on the on the machine over here. You know, they're all they're all genuine good stuff from known brands like Kemet and AVX and so on, as opposed to. I just don't see why people three. Why do people put such rubbish clones in there? You know, you're carrying a nice GoPro. You might be flying over the sea. You know, you want the same, same reason people use remolded tires. So they don't value their life. Um, says, I remember chatting about the SPF Racing F3 and SPR Racing F3 and the start of the FC revolution thanks for laying the foundation for the modern hobby yeah there you go no worries no worries I've got one my pleasure. from double a here i asked him to post it again so can someone read that out double a asks ask. i really should know this and embarrassing i don't so i'll just ask are you the maker of the hydra app what's the hydra app? <laughs> <laughs> i think that answers the question yeah i was like actually uh, what is really annoying thing. what is really annoying is that when people post like snippets of code on like github from like logs and things like this that have at and then the word hydra because what happens is github then doesn't mention on me and because the hydra is quite popular i get these random posts <laughs> from like projects that i've got no involvement or affiliation with like getting me mentioned i'm like can you please quote the code if it contains at hydra on github just please please quote the code just put the triple quotes triple back ticks before and after the thing that you paste in and then i won't have to un unsubscribe from every one of those please, please, please. yeah to, to, to fill no, in the no, gap I, there i, don't I know think the hydra thing. i think the hydra, i think the hydra no. fpv app is a sort of um for following on racing watching the racing feeds and also okay. i believe it's got a kind of betting part of it as well if i'm not much mistaken i've only seen it mentioned in passing but it's definitely something to do with racing and following the feeds yeah okay what well, um I've, I've got a silly question and i've got a half sensible question which well, one do we'll to do the first <laughs> You know, uh, when the new processors for Mac Macs come out, will compatibility be really good? That's that the question anyone. directed to <laughs> you, Mr. Kingfly. <laughs> Me? Why, why do you think I would know about that? I used well, to. You know, I have our, a prior history, history in, in tech support. I did like maybe 15 years of tech support. And I used to be the guy on the end of the phone when you were typing into your VAX VMS system. Going, my my program doesn't work. Why? And I'm like, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? I never I once in my them. career said, have you tried switching it off and on again? I never said that. <laughs> Why not? Ever. It solves Only so many problems. Noob tech supports do that. <laughs> I used to use an 11750 and microvaxes and hey, even a PDP 11. She knows. She knows. Oh my God. <laughs> each other off <laughs> i found yeah. i found my code for it the other day whilst i was looking for my mega discs cool. i found loads and loads of fortran yeah i've still got at. loads of mega discs in the garage i don't know whether they're yeah. readable anymore but yeah cool <laughs> those were the days yeah because it was all this this was back before um ethernet stuff i was doing all this it was all um rs232 serial comms you know in manual covers connecting six wires together or whatever it was or maybe eight or something for the data all the data lines and so on with the multiplex and stuff and then can 10 base 2 came along the one way you could on friday afternoon go quick unplug the cable and then your entire office network would go out and then you would sit back and have a coffee while you talked to tech support and uh, everyone would have a nice friday afternoon but those days long gone they introduced starpoint networks and they can't do that damn it there's, a, there's another, there's another um, important question from painless color osd tech um, I hadn't cr ever created any color OSD tech. 
is one way of answering that. I what, what, what's the about pixel it. thing you mentioned, though? So the way that that story went, more developer fallout drama. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go round two. Ding, ding. So, <laughs> Any views the, expressed by John <laughs> McClip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been gone. Sue him. Oh, no. It's, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. So there was a guy called uh, Alberto, also who lives in Spain. Um, who said uh, and started work on INAV OSD. And if you look on the GitHub, you can find the initial project of that there. Um, I contacted him and said, do you want to make something that, you know, because I can put this into production because he wasn't, you know, he was just doing software side of things and some of the hardware side of things. So we got talking. I gave him a bunch of ideas. He gave me a bunch of ideas. FR Sky offered him a boatload of money. He now works for FR Sky. And that's why you've got the FR Sky OSD. So... I went, well, probably can make my own. And then, ooh, oh, look, show treat. There is a Pixel OSD running on an L4 processor. This is my original prototype, which works absolutely fine. The yellow wire is video in and video out. And there's, uh, yeah, an L4 processor somewhere in the middle. And this was made maybe or so about a, Maybe a week or so, I think, after Alberto went to work for FR Sky. Uh, do we uh, do we do we end I'm it here? No, me me español is malo. Well, we <laughs> we did start three minutes late because of my um, after eight eating. Dom, have you got anything to plug or complain about, or anyone else? You know, do you want to like? Yeah. Now if you've you moved wanna, away, you, you can track run, the queen off. If you want to run alternative firmware that's not beta flight, which I highly recommend, uh, then you can run PX4 and Flight 1 on the H7 Extremes. There you go. In addition to running beta flight and clean flight. I think it's the only flight controller in the world that allows you to run all of those four different bits of flight control software. So wow. that's pretty cool. Mm. Cool. We've put a link to, to Seriously Pro in the description and it'll be in the show notes as well thanks no worries. do you want to come back in 10 years when <laughs> <laughs> no do you want to come back like in in six months and tell us what yeah. you've been up to who sure. you've been fighting with and stuff it's probably probably stuff like fixing induction hobs like this Oh, and God. climbing up ladders and solar panels. I don't and, think uh, ladders and steps are not your thing. Well, no, that's the thing. On that day, on that day, I'd actually been climbing up and down a ladder in in the mountains on the so on the top of a solar panel thing, trying oh, to fix you, this. You just got all day about it all then, didn't you? About as old as me, and I'd been up and down on it all day long. Absolutely no problem. Come out, come out of the car, fall down the steps. Wow. <sighs> If Every there was a point step. in that day where I thought I was going to fall over and break myself, it would have been going up and down the ladder. But no. I'll no. Be going what, up what are you looking at on your phone that's that interesting? Oh, this, this was the thing that was at the top of the ladder. It's very old. It's about as old as me, which is pretty How old. How old are you? 1974. Oh, was when I was born. This was made in 19... I think it's about 19... 88 or so this is uh inside here it's quite interesting if the guy that owns this watches this he'll, he'll probably laugh there's four solar panels in there really really old ones and they go to quite, quite small yes uh the, the, what it does it basically uh the sunlight comes through the slits on it and then it knows which direction has got more sun and it just oh. moves this giant thing up and down That's left cool. and right towards the sun oh. that's what it's for and I was helping with it because it was cool. Because, you know, there's no drama when you're fixing someone's solar panel tracking system instead of, like, developing for beta flight. So <laughs> I did that. That was much a lovely day. Can we... Can we, we uh, yeah, well, next week, week, we'll have the solar farm owner on who will complain about the way Dominic Pifton fixed that particular thing. We can have that as a soundbite, please. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he puts in a, a, bug, <laughs> a bug request to himself <laughs> oh, on the ladder. It's too oh. cloudy in England. Yeah, yeah, right. no. I, I right. They've actually, they've changed the uh, laws in Spain, so it actually makes it useful to actually get solar power as a company. Because I think there was this whole double tax thing out here in Spain, which is really stupid. Because it's like the one place that gets sunlight all the freaking time, 
Mm. And it should be like solar power should be just like everywhere here, but yeah, the sure. government said no, 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 Endesa. Mm, we love you. Give us, give us your money. But don't tell anybody that you're giving us money. I mean, we'll help you out too. So that's right. the uh, power company in Spain. Right. So, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I think until we get any PSs. If you're unhappy, <laughs> I nearly uh, choked on my tea. I've, I've had solar for 22 years. Uh, don't listen to him. He's a gob. That's why he gets kicked out of every, every everyone's slack. Um, uh, thank I just you. want to make cool stuff, god damn it. I just want to make cool stuff. I, 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 I know, but you've got some sort of personality disorder. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> no, I don't either. It's weird. <laughs> I know. Oh god! At least, at least you're not time cop, where you actually scream at people all the time um, and threaten to kill them, even though you're on that. the run. No. Uh, right. Uh, anyway, thank you. You've been listening to Let's Throw Now. You've been joined by everyone's favourite and my favourite curry kitten. Goodbye. He's delicious, even if you do dip a popper dom into him. Uh, my lovely wife, Tone Star. Bonjour. Um, <laughs> our guest for tonight, Mister. Dominic Clifton, clean flight. As Bender would say, cheese it! Yep. Uh, the puppet master, Andrew Slash Frank. Goodbye. With a wonderful blow job. I mean, dry. Uh, leave that in, editor. I don't know. I don't know where you can. And <laughs> yeah. I've, been, I've been bright until I fly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night. And we Thank love you. all our lovely Patreons and especially uh, FX Node and Zero for donating. Cheers, guys. That helps... Andrew Slash Frank from killing me and I might get money for hosting. <laughs> and next week I believe Tony has got on a guest next week uh, talking about their new podcast that they've just started up. It's Onigiri. So tune in next week for that. Oh my god, you're gonna have to remind me to do <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. See you all next week, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. Telehope. Telemetry lost.